Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Hell yeah! That's the Black Falcon there, I tell ya! Nah, that's Captain America. Au revoir, Batroc, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's final episode titled One World, One People, we witness the end of the Flag Smashers. Bucky making amends, John tossing in the shield for a new black suit, and Sam Wilson as Captain America. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series. Kind of like a book club, but way better because you don't have to read no books. Uh, Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do that and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we head on down to the dock for a good old cookout, let me introduce you to our mixed bag of marvelous masters of Marvel. First up. He's the U.S. agent of juxtapositional judiciary jugs of juice, Justin. God, I love jugs of juice, man. Almost as much as Kev (laughs) loves jugs of milk. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big milk jug guy. Well, next up, he's back and better than ever. Lighting up the barbecue while soaring through the skies, we have the kingpin of Krelarian Korg on the cob, Kevin Hudson. Okay, so I'm like a I'm a I'm a big menacing guy that you're apparently likes things on the cob. You're Vinci, yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> take a, a Vinny D'Onofrio reference, and and anytime somebody mentions corn, I get a little hungry. So that's good. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, and back once again to deep dive and dive deep into some delicious dishes. We have the dastardly daredevil of deep fried drumsticks, the Doctor Strange of delicious drugs, and the defender of dope die jobs. It's the Marvel master himself, the dynamic and duplicitous Darcy Hudson. I got mine was way longer than theirs. I feel very <laughs> special. Quite a mouthful. There you go. Quite a mouthful indeed. Welcome back to the show, Darcy. We're happy to have you on the podcast again. Excited to get your thoughts on this finale. Uh, now, Darcy, even though you've been on the podcast a few times, um, for our listeners who've never heard from you before, who are you and what are you all about? Well, I am uh, Kev's younger brother. Uh, of course, growing up with Kevin, uh, I uh, grew accustomed to all the nerdy things he introduced me to, mainly Star Wars. <laughs> and I kind of took that even further than he did. So I'm into Marvel, all that stuff. And yeah, I just, yeah, again, I had a, I had a great role model in this stuff. And I figured I could, you know, I could probably do a bit better. So He set the bar and then <laughs> you just went right above that thing. Oh, I'm touched. Right? It's always so nice to hear stories of, of two guys coming together as if they're brothers. Very similar to actually uh, this, this story that we got to see throughout this series. 
Um, but <laughs> it's always great to hear your perspective on these shows. And with your vast knowledge from the comics, Darcy, um, I'm so stoked to see what you have to say for this series. But before we get into the plot and serve up our thoughts on what happened in this week's episode, uh, let's start with a brief overview of your high-level thoughts on the episode, making sure to save your overall thoughts on the series for actually at the end of the episode, where we're going to be rating both the episode and the series as a whole. Uh, so, Darcy, as our guest, we'll start with you. Well, I thought the episode felt pretty quick to me. Uh, I, mm. I like how it resolves and set up a lot of storylines throughout the season series. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next because clearly their story's not done. But uh, again, it felt a bit rushed. That's my that was my takeaway from. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I, I agree as well, Darcy. I think it was I was a little underwhelmed, you know, coming off the heels of something like WandaVision. Even I guess WandaVision's finale, the penultimate was way better than the finale. I, I think we could arguably say but um this episode of uh, this finale for the falcon and winter soldier was was very underwhelming uh to your point though i did love some of the resolves and and some of the solutions that that did come out uh, that they've established uh in this season that they were able to just close out while also just kind of you know establishing some new things for the mcu i was i was okay with that one thing i was definitely like just kind of like head scratcher over but we'll talk about that as we we dive deep we'll get into that kevin your thoughts I think it's going to be really hard for me to sort of uh, give thoughts on the episode without sort of uh, expanding that to a general a generalization of the whole show. So I'll do my best here. I've kind of come away from all of this a little underwhelmed and, and questioning sort of whether this wouldn't have been better suited as a movie. It did start really, really well. When can you watch a TV show that gives you basically like a 30-minute action sequence to start things off? So it, it certainly wasn't lacking in certain departments, but overall, everything sort of fell a bit short for me. As, as And as I said, we'll we'll sort of get into that. For sure. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> guys, this episode clearly shows how a show can be affected by rewrites, uh, by the pandemic. Uh, you know, we saw a slight hint at this with uh, Darcy Lewis at the end of WandaVision. Uh, and in this episode, we're seeing it in full effect. Um, the finale has incredible moments that so many people have been waiting to see for possibly their entire lives. Uh, and for those moments, you know, the show succeeded beyond my expectations. But but overall, it felt this episode felt marred by the plot and character decisions that feel loose and messier than we're used to from Marvel. So, you know, I can't fault the writers of the show too much because I think they did a good job with what they had and what they were forced to change. But ultimately, um, yeah, this was similar to WandaVision's finale in that it was it was an underwhelming final episode to, a, I think, an overall fantastic series. Um, but again, we'll, we'll kind of dive into that. Uh, just wondering, like, do you know how sort of uh, that was affected? Yeah, there was a subplot about a vaccine situation that was implemented in the original story. Uh, it hit a little too close to home, I think, and they decided to pull that and readjust. Um, I think, Nate, you were sharing with me as well, too. It was Mama, Mama Danya had died from the, a yeah, disease Mama Danya died. that the Flag Smashers were, were getting vaccines for. And, and the other thing, too, to, to consider, like, this show has both a, a subplot of, uh, you know, a possible subplot of a pandemic, a virus, uh, and a subplot of radicals storming a government building to stop a vote. You know, like it's like they they had to pick one or the other here, and I think that was the best that they could do. Um, so they just tried to see who would we who would we be affecting more people in a negative way with uh, which story would do that, and I guess they they cleaned well, it up. 
So, guys, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's chew on this plot uh, as we go through here. Just sticking with like the whole cookout. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, the the episode starts as we hear the voice of Carly Morgenthau reusing the same uh, dialogue that we had heard in last week's episode, while showing a montage of different flag smashers, both inside and outside the GRC headquarters. We then cut right to the opening uh, t- of the title sequence uh, where we see a ton of armed police outside the building as Sam flies overhead and Sergeant Bucky Barnes walks through only to be interrupted by Sharon Carter in disguise. Carly sees Sam and tells the Flag Smashers to enact on their plan. Smoke bombs go off in the voting room, causing the GRC and the government personnel to exit the, uh, to exit the room uh, when they're confronted by a Flag Smasher. All hope seems lost when all of a sudden Sam throws the shield through the window and blasts in in his incredible new suit while subduing the super soldier. He walks towards the GRC personnel and one of them says, "Uh, I'm sorry, wait, uh, who are you? To which he responds confidently as, I'm Captain America. So, gentlemen, what did you think of this opening scene and the debut of Sam Wilson as Captain America? Darcy. Well, first off, on his uh, the suit itself, uh, it is straight from the comics. Perfect thing, like perfect representation from and what I was expecting when I heard Captain America, Sam Wilson type thing. Uh, aside from that, I thought it was a very interesting way of showing and building tension. The way they were doing such quick jump cuts with that dialogue, like he said, and uh, yeah, just his appearance. Uh, that's a, that's a how exactly how you want to see Captain America reveal himself to the general public is is stopping the bad guy in such a brilliant way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I really like that that opening yeah. whole setup, basically. And, that, and that's going to become a theme, I think, throughout this episode is where we're going to see more instances, obviously, where the world seeing the new Captain America far more than I think that we we saw it, almost in, in, in a juxtaposition of how the world saw John Walker. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's that's something that becomes a constant through this episode. Yeah, and I love I love how they teased they sort of teased it throughout the opening, right? Mm-hmm. Like you saw glimpses of him flying, and like faster than he's ever flown before because he's got like a rocket pack that's even better than his previous one from the Wakanda. Yeah, he flew from Louisiana to New York really quick, like <laughs> really quick, really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of that might be TV show magic, but also the it's Wakanda magic. Suit might have come. It's Iron Man yeah, does yeah, the same yeah. thing. He can cross a, he can that's, cross a sea in a day. So <laughs> that's yeah. true. I I did love hearing how confident Sam was as Captain America. Like, when he just straight up says, like, I'm Captain America. Like, he's in, and I'm just so excited to see see him as Cap in the future. He is uh, a perfect replacement for the character. This is what the show was building to, and throughout this entire episode, you just see how well they really do have him represent Captain America. I totally buy it. I'm totally in. He's great. And the way they represent him in this episode throughout, with exception to two little things that I'll bring up as we go, I just think it, it's phenomenal. And I welcome him as the new Captain America. And and that part of this whole show is is really what they did well. Uh, I also find it funny because like the, throughout the whole series, John Walker was introducing himself as Captain America as well. And it it felt like he was trying to force that uh, that presentation upon people. Whereas the first time Sam says it, he is Captain America already. We already believe yeah, him to say when he that. says that again. Like John Walker was missing that throughout the whole thing, despite having so much parallels to Steve Rogers' story. He just did not embody Captain America that we were looking for, basically. Right, and I, I, I also love that they brought the gag back when the security guards like, uh, I thought Captain America was on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so good. Yeah, so fantastic. 
All right. Well, guys, listen, going forward, I'm going to be referring to Sam as either Sam, Cap, or Captain America, uh, because he is. Um, okay, so... Then Cap quickly realizes that the Flag Smashers are driving everyone out of the building and informs Sharon and Bucky to keep everyone inside. Then, out of nowhere, Batroc leaps in, as he does, with his signature kick uh, and begins to fight Cap, keeping him distracted. Uh, Bucky and Sharon split up as Sharon goes after one of the large undercover Flag Smashers. Uh, Bucky immediately gets distracted by uh, this woman who hands him a phone uh, and says Carly wants to talk to him. Uh, He tells Carly not to go down this path and that it won't end well. Uh, and then uh, she basically thanks him for taking the call, and he realizes that he's messed up and begins to run to catch up with the hostages that are now in locked vans on their way into the city. Sharon tags the large flag smasher uh, with a face-melting vapor bomb, uh, and Cap jumps out of the window, escaping his, uh, escaping his fight with Batroc as he proceeds to chase after the hostages in a helicopter. So, guys, what did you think of the fight with Batroc and Sharon's truly horrific face-melting vapor bomb? Yeah, I one of the things I took away from that scene is just uh, one of the things Carly said was that uh, Bucky's never fought for something bigger than himself. And it's like she's never, never didn't know that he's fought in World War II. Like, and he fought against Thanos. Like, he's, he has his textbook example of fighting for something bigger than himself. And she just mm. completely chooses to ignore that. But yeah, the Sharon Carter thing think... was gruesome. Uh, and yeah. uh, I guess later on in the episode, it becomes apparent that why uh, she would go to such right. lengths, I guess. So, uh, this is yeah. like the first hint of her, her evilness, right? And oh, I yeah. think, um, I think, but even to what you just mentioned, like her ignoring kind of everything that Bucky's done, like it just kind of speaks to her character. Uh, and obviously we'll, we'll get that into that a lot later as well. I also think it kind of speaks to Bucky's character in that not a lot of people really know who he is and what he's done, right? Isn't that, that's why people don't really recognize him. I think he's kind of like an unsung hero in that regard. No, I thought he, I thought he had a, uh, he had like a, a whole section in the Captain America. That one police officer that he passed by that called him Sergeant seemed to know about his history. Uh, but I also <laughs> did really enjoy, I also did really enjoy the, uh, the fight with Batroc. I thought Sam's fighting style with the shield is so different. And dude, that kick flip into the jaw was amazing. It was, so cool i also love the wings they're vibranium now so he's not only got the shield he has a like almost four times the space of the shield in his wings that are also (laughs) vibranium i can't wait to see what other things he can do with those oh the way they that he used them to dig into the ground to sort of hold his ground and everything like really cool stuff Unreal. Yeah, we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about some of his uh, uses of those wings uh, as we continue on. It was all filler. What this episode is, is the final act of a movie, right? It's like the the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's I feel like that's kind of what it is. So this doesn't really add as much as I I feel like the stuff that we're going to be getting towards. Kevin, you had mentioned that it was uh, that this this whole thing could have been a movie. And last week I had mentioned that it felt like the the you know the third act of a movie just before the end of the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah, we're definitely getting a lot of movie vibes. Yeah, definitely a bingeable show. I feel like maybe next time I'm watching it, I'll be watching it in a very quick succession because I feel like it'll be a 
a much better It'll play better story yeah it feels like it's yeah, meant to be told at a certain pace and the week yeah, off it, it would play really kill the momentum better. i think yeah 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 uh cool yeah so let's let's continue here uh cap continues his chase of the helicopter as him and the new red wing woo uh save two pilots i'm really happy that red wings back uh they save two pilots and work together with a woman on the helicopter to save everyone else shout out to ayla let's go ayla um meanwhile bucky catches up with the flag smashers uh, and they distract him uh this time by lighting the van of hostages on fire he rushes to save them as carly attempts uh to escape when all the sudden john walker shouts morgan thou saying let's finish this she responds by saying uh, i don't want to i didn't want to kill your friend i don't want to hurt people that don't matter he says you don't think lamar's life mattered that was a phenomenal moment she responds by saying uh not not to my fight i just want the people on that truck he throws his fake cosplay shield at her and she <laughs> kicks it out of the way uh they proceed to fight uh and after having his shield dented in uh, he's stuck in a pylon bucky saves the hostages and then proceeds to rescue john when dovich kicks him down into a construction pit John and Carly go toe-to-toe, but she manages to get away from him with enough time to drive the hostages into the same construction pit. The van gets stuck just above, and John has to make a decision. He ends up, thankfully, making the right decision and attempts to save everyone instead of going after Carly. He gets ripped off the van by Carly and two other Flag Smashers, and just as the van is about to fall, it's caught by Sam, who uses his power to push the van back to safety. We then hear an older man shout, that's the Black Falcon, I tell ya, followed by a younger man who responds by saying, no, that's Captain America. So guys, what did you think of these moments, including the helicopter chase uh, and the change of heart for John Walker? Again, it's all filler. The action sequences were well-paced. They, they felt very Marvel cinematic. I loved seeing Sam, I think he caught someone, and he landed, and before something fell on him, he like the wings came out, and he dug into the ground, and it protected them. And it the was helicopter cool to see. fell on them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and he had the shield above, right? Like just, to, just yeah. as as another sort of thing. So it was it was cool to see how he's using it. But again, all these people on the bridge seeing Captain America is now black, and then he blasts off, right? And then again, saving the van. All these people see Captain America's black, and you have that like here's the third time you hear it, and then you have someone validate it. That was the whole sense sentiment of all of these different action scenes was to start seeing Sam really be in his his own as Captain America just kind of changing the perception and the next scene will prove why but you can't say it's all filler Justin because I I definitely think like that those scenes are there for the exact reason that you're you're talking about and I also feel like the when we talk about uh, fight scenes that have character growth, you know, we talked about the previous episode how much character growth was in that one fight scene. I don't think any of the scenes in this episode matched that amount or had that. But seeing John throw the shield down and and make that decision, you know, that was a very um, I I think you know fast and and somewhat. Uh, it wasn't as as rewarding as I would have wanted it to be for his character to grow through that. But it was a very quick way and easy way for them to show like, no, he's grown. He's changed. Uh, I definitely don't think these were filler moments because, again, they were sort of these key points of these characters uh, growing. Um, 
my one problem is, and, and I might be way off the mark here, but I almost wish that it was a white person that said, no, that's Captain America. Not necessarily to give the validation that it needs a white person to give that validation, but like just the whole theme here is that, you know, it would never be accepted for a black man to represent that that shield and that 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 role. And then for a white person to step in and say, no, that's Captain America. I just think, isn't that kind of what they were they were hoping for here? Like, of course, of course, black people would instantly sort of gravitate towards that. I don't know. No, maybe I, I'm way off the mark. Yeah, I think you're way off because I think I think it's just the idea of not looking at Captain America as a race thing. I think this moment is actually to uh, bookend the moment that we saw in episode two uh, with that little kid kind of going like, you're the Black Falcon. That's what my dad said. Uh, And then, you know, and then so I think and so he's like, well, should I just call you Black Kid? (laughs) Right. And so I think I think this is to bookend that moment in a sense of saying this is this is uh, these are two black people that are celebrating that. No, no, no. That's not Black Falcon. That's Captain America, to America. and yeah, not even exactly. you know black. His race Captain doesn't America. matter so, to to his to his superhero. That I think that's probably the most powerful thing about this series is that it's a Marvel show that gets people around the world talking about uh, these these situations and these issues. So um, you know, I, I would say from that standpoint, uh, this scene definitely did what it was supposed to do. Um, the moment when Sam throws his shield, having it bounce off the helicopter back to him and then tackle the guy out of the helicopter was some of the most inventive fighting with the shield that I've ever seen in my life. And it was just so cool how it blended Falcon with Captain America. It felt very like a first episode, right? Like it kind of felt like the same sort of action style, like just another yes. like to kind of link it to how he's kind of evolved. Yeah. It felt very like it was almost more advanced, obviously, but it was like an evolution of that fighting style. It was so it, cool. It, it, I liked how throughout the whole series, it seems to like the what I've taken away is how John Walker uh, dealt with his insecurities by needing to take the serum, whereas uh, Sam takes his lack of you know abilities or power and uses his his ingenuity with his wings and other gadgets to, to make up that difference in strength and seeing that like the, when he gets that shield, he is fighting on the same level as Steve Rogers, Captain America without any help from a serum. So I think that drives home the point, like a really like you don't need a serum to be the super soldier type thing, a super soldier essentially, which I thought was really cool. Super cool. Cause again, they drive like, throughout the whole series, John Walker's insecurities drove him to do the choice, make the choices that he made, which I find almost pitiable. He's a very, like I, really feel bad for the guy after this episode and seeing him trying mm. to change it, become a, a better man as you see him shake away, like, hold on, I'm Captain America. Captain America saves lives. So I thought that was, again, the, both uh, St- uh, Sam Wilson in this scene and uh, John Walker are really showing how like people uh, have high expectations of Captain America and how people will go about, you know, fulfilling those expectations. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think he's a guy that is, uh, He's affected by war, right? He's, oh, yeah. It, war is not good for, for any single human. Uh, and so to see how he's affected by it, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's it's definitely not a, a happy story for, for John Walker. 
Um, but guys, let's get back to the the plot at hand here. Uh, Batroc shoots the construction pit full of smoke bombs, and Carly and the remaining Flag Smashers escape. Cap, Bucky, and John proceed to split up, uh, with Cap going after Carly uh, and John and Bucky chasing the others. John and Bucky manage to trick the Flag Smashers by using the app on Bucky's phone, uh, and the Flag Smashers are then arrested by the police, as John shares a quote from Abraham Lincoln uh, while sounding like a huge dork. Uh, meanwhile, Carly hears whistling uh, and proceeds towards it, thinking it could be Dovich, uh, when it turns out to actually be Sharon, who proceeds to reveal that she is indeed the power broker. What? Great. Whoa. <laughs> who saw that coming? Batrock uh, shows up and points his gun at Carly, demanding that Sharon increase his pay by four times or he'll tell the world who she really is. Sharon shoots Batrock, killing him, uh, just as Carly shoots her, knocking her to the ground. Carly points her gun at Sharon when Cap arrives just in time to stop her. He asks Carly where the killing ends, asking to help her, and, uh, and she tells him, don't try to manipulate me. The two share a final fight, and just as Carly is about to shoot, sh- shoot Sam, Sharon fires three bullets into her. Sam rushes to Carly, and she dies in his arms, saying sorry. So guys, what did you think of these final moments for Carly and the Flag Smashers? And what did you think of that r- unbelievable huge reveal that Sharon is indeed the power broker? Kevin. Uh, well, what did Alfred Molina recently say about um, the fact that he's going to be Doc Ock? Like, he's the worst kept secret in Hollywood. This is kind <laughs> yeah. of, you know, almost like that. And it's like everyone sort of thought, you know, that she was going to be revealed as as the power broker. And so yeah. while it is a, a definitive moment and, and sets up a lot going forward, it really wasn't um, a shock. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a mind-blowing shock or just a, a, an affirmation of what we kind of already knew. Um, yeah. I just uh, moving on to the, the the Carly aspect of it. I, uh, did they really sort of give her any sort of redemption at the end there when she was probably going to pull that trigger if she wasn't stopped, right? And so she really did kind of die the bad guy, in my opinion. Her her redemption yeah. will come in the next scene where he where he speaks for her. I think that's his. That's the redemption. That, that's a really yeah. nice point. That's a that's a nice yeah. way to put that for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. It, it made sense for. Like, her death felt very quick, um, but obviously it, it had to happen in this episode for the speech that we're going to get in a moment that you're, you're talking about, uh, Justin. Um, but you can, you know, seeing the death scene, you can tell that there was definitely dialogue cut. Like, she just says, sorry, and then dies? Like, no, yeah. I'm sorry. There was definitely more to that um, that probably would have been involved had they not had to rearrange things. Yeah, the, the, the fight was really great. Like, the choreography was great again, on par. That's not even, like, really... The bad part of it i think it's it is to your point that just the mismanage of of like that dialogue scene and just how quick things seem to happen and just resolved itself uh you know she dies you know they they were building towards it with with the sort of you know i'm not gonna fight you you know she's he's trying to be the voice of reason for her um but like it just it just kind of quickly just went like that you know what i mean and they moved on to the next thing um and to Kevin's point, that does kind of give a disservice to Carly's character. Um, I do agree that it felt very disservicing to her character, especially being built up as this sort of gray. She's not the good guy or the bad guy, but she'll do you know bad things to get what she needs, right? So um, that being a constant theme, it just kind of felt like it was just like, you know, 
in my mind, I thought that was a theme throughout throughout the villains, and they didn't really do anything with it. They just offed her. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. that's kind of unfortunate. I, I was uh, slightly confused by like just their, her interactions with uh, uh, Sharon there. Like they they are very familiar. Clearly, she was a muscle for her at some point. It just seems like all this sto- this story stuff we would have found out if that if that vaccine storyline was a, a bigger thing because obviously Sharon would have black market connections to spreading the vaccine and stuff like that. So like I feel like her beef with her would have been more driven by that rather than just being like, I don't want to be your muscle anymore. Like that kind of seemed like a very weak thing to be really against all of a sudden, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, yeah, like how many times did Carly even mention the power broker once or twice throughout the whole series as sort of like a very loose relationship rather than being sort of, you know, her direct force. Yeah. Like that was very underestablished throughout the show. I agree. I, and that yes, and I didn't even address the Sharon Carter as the power broker. I I feel like you know that was we, everyone knew that Agnes was Agatha, but the way that reveal happened was still gratifying and it was still enjoyable. Whereas this didn't really feel like that. It felt like it was kind of like confusing, like because they kind of confirmed her. Like we talked about it last week, Nate. Like in the last episode, it kind of seemed like they already did confirm her as the power broker because everyone was like, right. Wait, She's the power Why is she broker. doing eat bad things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another, uh, another thing I took away with too is just like, I understand she's angry about being a fugitive, but so other people who helped out in the Civil War. Like, I just, her her anger against the government and stuff like that just seems a bit weak based. I don't know. I'm not fully understanding her intentions of why she's made this flip to the bad well, side. Here's here's a quick little like thing that I was thinking about. And, Nate, I, I haven't watched the video you sent me uh, in messages about, <laughs> about it, but I'm going to just yeah. say that with how much of a character she was in um, Winter Soldier, when Hydra was really relevant, it was kind of like the downfall. I could see them kind of trying to somehow connect the fact that she has, like she's always been some sort of power broker in, in some capacity, like and like and connected back to that story. So, you know, if, if that's something that they kind of somehow tie in, like she was with Hydra, she was she was a double agent, you know what I mean? Um Because here's here's the deal, right? So um she was blipped and that's proven in Endgame. You actually right. see a, a, a right and so she wouldn't have been able to this was six months later. She wouldn't be able to grow an entire crime organization in six months. Or even if she's infiltrated her way into she wouldn't be able I don't think she'd be able to do that in six months. Everything that happens in Winter Soldier, True. orchestrated by Zemo, is 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 it ha- like there's so many things that have to happen perfectly for that movie's plot to work. Mm. And so, how amazing is it that I, like if they've thought of this all the way through that she was? Oh responsible my god! For, yeah, that's so true. For doing he some probably because he says that he knows the power broker, and I was right. they, they've all referred to him as as he and Civil War. Wow, that could be. If they were actually, that's what the video it's you so sent cool. me. Kind that's of the explores? video I sent you, dude. I oh, okay. can't take credit for it. <laughs> okay. but that's so cool. It's so cool, and it's so interesting to think that that if that's how far back they were able to do that, and this isn't retconned that way, then that's pretty impressive. All right, out of left field, crazy theory here. Is it possible that Sharon took the the serum? I mean, she just got shot in the stomach, right? And then Sam. He carries the body out and just leaves Sharon, who's bleeding from a gunshot wound to the stomach. That yeah. that bothered me a little. That Sam yeah. just left she his was just friend fine. down there. <laughs> while yeah. a, you know that just bugged me a bit. 
well, really quickly, just before we move on, like something that bugged me about this moment, just going back to the moment with Bucky and John, like I found it very funny, but also convenient at the same time. Because I mean, Kevin, you're always saying how terrible you are with technology, uh, but you're definitely more capable than a man from the 1940s who was frozen in ice. So how the heck did he manage to install and use a, an illegal app on his smartphone? I don't understand. Yeah, if this was supposed to be some sort of secret app to, to, to hide their identities <laughs> and their secret motives, it was really easy to just get into and use and trick them. Like anybody right? could have used, I could have used it to trick them into yeah, meeting me for a slice of pizza. It was very convenient, yeah. yeah. Well, another, one thing you have to take into account, though, is Bucky is not Cap in that he was asleep for a solid 70 years. He has been through the decades being used as an assassin and constantly being introduced to the top so of the line technology as yeah. an assassin. So he is no mm. stranger to tech. Okay, okay. He is tech up the wazoo, so I'm not surprised that he can use that type of stuff, especially having spent a lot of time in Wakanda. Like, that that okay. part was uh, not a problem you to me. I just felt like me. Bucky, this whole episode, was just there as a sidekick. And I understand that is his role, but it's just, he was a sidekick for the sake of just being there. It, it was, a bit, of, it was yeah. a bit upsetting. Again, having the super soldier serum and a vibranium arm, he was just very underused. Like, underused. He didn't really, yeah. he didn't, he didn't have any super moments despite being a super soldier. He had one super moment when he landed. That superhero land that he yes. does from it the was, parking well, thing. Really and, <clears throat> and you see the vibranium and it like shakes the ground. It was pretty cool. I would I'd have liked it though, you know, having the vibranium arm. It would have been cool to see him land, charge that impact, and then use it again later on in the fight. Because you got to think that his arm has some some stuff we haven't seen before. You got to hope he does. He just doesn't want to use it because of where he's at. And hopefully that his character growth will lead to seeing him accept this arm as a part of him more cool uh yeah all right so guys then cap flies down to the street holding carly's body in his arms uh as he passes a bunch of news reporters who all ask him what they should call him is it falcon is it captain falcon <laughs> which was awesome um ayla and the other grc members thank sam uh and he asks if they're gonna go forward with resetting the borders they tell him they are proceeding with the act uh, and he explains to them that if they can remember what it was like to be helpless and face a force so powerful it could erase half the planet, then they would know that they're about to have the exact same impact. As he continues his speech, the whole world is watching, including Isaiah and Eli Bradley, Joaquin Torres, and his sister Sarah. He reminds them that Carly died to stop them, and no one has stopped for a second to ask why. He finishes by saying, look, you people have just as much power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. The question you have to ask yourselves is, how are you going to use it? Sam walks past John and the two share a very respectful nod. Uh, Sam joins Bucky and Bucky jokes telling him uh, that all he heard was something about a black man carrying the stars and stripes because he was texting. Uh, Bucky escorts Sharon into the car to get her some medical, much needed medical attention. Um, and, uh, and Cap is informed that they need him to rescue the last Flag Smasher pilot who is still swimming in the bay. Uh, so he flies off to do his job. Guys, before we continue, uh, what did you think of Sam's speech here, Justin? Yeah, I think as I said before, this is the redemption for her character, uh, the validation that she was she was going about it the wrong way, but she had good intentions. He can't fault her for her intentions. He, he actually agrees 
with her. So, you know, this is where we really get to see that strong sense of of Sam embracing Captain America and doing what he's actually really good at, at being a voice of reason. That's how who he started out when we saw him in The Winter Soldier and we were introduced to his character working with vets and and you know, talking about his the loss of his partner, um, you know, mm-hmm. to then forming a new alliance with with Steve Rogers. So, you know, this was like the this was a good realization for this character um and to be seen doing it as Captain America and to have the whole world watching again juxtaposing it to when they saw Captain America take the shield and and pummel someone to death you know this is that gratification that we were talking about of where society will start to see him differently um and and I think that was I think that was great this is this was a highlight for me yeah I love that I love that line that he he says right like he has you know the only power I have is that I believe we can do better Right. And I just like no super soldier serum, you know, no blonde hair, blue eyes. So that's absolutely it. Right. Like, I just love that. He's more that voice of reason in that moment. And then 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 any time ever was to Darcy's point in the series where he just was affirming himself as Captain America. You see Sam really just be him himself in this suit and this perception of of what Captain America has now changed. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say is uh, throughout his whole speech, like Sam is a uh, a soldier. He has served and done his time and he, he respects the country and stuff like that. Yet here he is talking to some of the most powerful people in the country or in the world. And he's just talking to them like humans. He is just like not cutting any corners and just giving to them straight. And I loved his delivery and how, again, he, he sees them as human beings who need to look at back at their actions, not as people in power. He just like he knows they have power, but he knows them. They're also human. And need to really think back to them being human. So I, I loved his whole speech. It was, it was a great moment for uh, his character. He found his own power too, right? Like he he found his own power, which led him to put the suit on and be there and to embrace that. So I think that you know there's there's a lot of highlights that kind of come out of this scene. Like this to me was a huge highlight. Everything, like I said, I've referred to as filler, but to me like. That's just that typical Marvel action. This is where we start to see some real character development for someone like Sam. And, and I'm glad that they gave that to him. I personally found the speech to be maybe a, a little long or a little heavy handed. Like it, it kind of kept going on and on and on. And what it really did for me was almost highlight what I thought really st- struggled in the show. And that was defining what the real issue was what the the quote unquote bad guy of this series really was in the end you know it wasn't these super soldiers who were acting as terrorists it wasn't that it was it was the GRC and and what they were doing and i think they failed to sort of establish that throughout the series and so for this whole sort of climax to be the 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 main part of the show and then you know for his speech to sort of denounce that and say you need to be better i just don't feel like they established that enough in the previous episodes to make this whole thing come together neatly as a resolution that that's really where i i struggle with the show as a whole personally even if they had had maybe the chair of that board be a character that we'd seen in episodes before this to sort of establish just, Build up to just that. a face yes. to that that yeah. whole idea would have helped when I Carly agree, yeah. was against them and bringing them down and then Sam was addressing yeah. that person saying, you're doing the wrong thing instead of 
this governing body that we only meet in the previous episode in the last five minutes. Like there was just no connection to them. And so it all just, it, it, I couldn't feel or attach myself to the mm. stakes that were, that were really going on. But I, I'm glad that the scene happened uh, in the street you know, surrounded by news cameras yes. that were live because, yes. you know, had it been in more of a formal setting, you know, that could lend itself to editing and privacy and mm -hmm. who ends up being able to deliver that, deliver that message. It's the government. So, you know, the way that they, they set that up, I thought was, was really, really well done. And I think this moment is going to be one of those things that it's going to be quoted, you know, in, in future highlight reels of the MCU, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get the recap of, of Sam Wilson as Captain America. And this is going to be like, you'll hear it in a, montage or something like that yeah like the whole like the line about we have finally have a united front that we can fight against something like that like that line will probably yeah. be repeated going forward because every time there's gonna be a new big bad you'll hear that again it's like we all have the same enemy out there absolutely yeah forget struggles over international borders everything we are one world we are one people like carly that was her whole message and that's what we need to be going forward for these external interterrestrial threats that are going to come in we can't have our small bick we need to work together here so that we can work together to prevent everything that's coming towards us the from, world is from far elsewhere. bigger than like it's got grown so much in the last 10 years in the, for the MCU universe. Like it's, they're not their own little world anymore. They know what's out there and they can't ignore it anymore. And I think again, they have to unite to face that going forward. Um, but guys, let's get back to that uh, plot here. We get to, we get back to see Dovich and the remaining flag smashers boarding a police van. Uh, and we hear that they are being taken to the raft. Uh, they get in the van and one of the police uh, that are escorting them uh, puts them at ease. You see Dovich have a little, little smile like, oh, thank goodness, we're going to be good. Because uh, that police officer says, one world, one people. And the van starts to drive away and then boom, it explodes. Uh, the camera pans back to show Oesnik, uh, who is uh, Zemo's butler, <laughs> sitting there sort of like laughing to himself uh, as the world is rid of even more super soldiers. Uh, we cut to the raft where we see Zemo hearing the news of the bombing over the radio. He looks at the camera and smiles and then lays down all, all relaxed. Um, we, we then cut to the courtroom where we see Val reading of the same news uh, of the bombing, uh, saying to Olivia that Zemo got the last laugh. Explaining that it couldn't have been, uh, it couldn't have worked better if she had planned it herself, or uh, maybe she did. Uh, maybe she didn't, but maybe she did. Uh, she yells at John for him to come out and reveal his new outfit, and he does. And he says it's the same, but black, <laughs> which is just—I uh, mean, it's right on the nose there. Uh, she explains to him <laughs> that things are about to get weird, uh, and that when they do, they won't need a Captain America; they'll need. A U.S. agent. As Val walks out of the room, he hugs Olivia and yells, I'm back. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, what did you think of uh, these two moments here? Zemo carrying out his plans, even while he's stuck in the raft. And what did you think of the reveal of U.S. agent? Darcy. I just, Zemo is the MCU's evil Batman. He's got his own evil Alfred <laughs> who is willing to pull like pull the trigger on the bomb and everything like that. <laughs> I, I love how they're building up Zemo to be all powerful despite so many restrictions he is really the he's probably their best villain in terms of how much use they can get out of him also with val uh introducing the u.s agent and again following zemo's mastermind at work i they are definitely building towards either dark avengers or thunderbolts 
And I personally cannot wait for that because it has some of the most unique character uh, development, whether you have villains posing as the heroes that we know and love, or even trying to reform themselves and become the heroes that they're meant to be, like John Walker. Like, I, I cannot wait to see that go forward. And to that point, uh, Darcy, like, you know, if Val um, was protecting Zemo, maybe in that moment, like she says, maybe I didn't, maybe I did, oh, but I did. It probably was her that helped to set that up because she knows that if those super soldiers got to the raft, like that would not have been good for Zemo. And that would not have been good for their plans for going forward with either Dark Avengers or, uh, or Thunderbolts. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Val is just I feel like while she is, you know, there's a lot of mystery, mystery about her, despite, I feel like the Black Widow movie really would have set up a lot of context for us to care more about her character. Because to this point, I'm a huge comic book fan and only that gets me excited for what I know, like what could be potentially there. For people who have never read comics, she's just some lady with purple hair who's quirky. And it's I, I feel like Black Widow really will drive home her character. And again probably lead plant seeds for Thunderbolts with having uh, Florence Pugh's character and, and Taskmaster in it. Like those two are definitely roster said material. That, I said that last week. I was saying that last week with the with the introduction of her and how it could have potentially, like it should have been probably in something like Black Widow. Would it have been more cameo based? Probably wouldn't have been like a huge character. It would have been like an appearance, if you will. Um, but like the association that in that film of really tying in with this series now that the Thunderbolts is on the way. Right. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's literally like they're planting the seeds for their own version of like a, a suicide squad, uh, esque kind of thing, but like definitely going for, I think they're going to try to give justification to these bad guys as being heroes. Like they're going to, you know, the reform part of, yeah. of Thunderbolts. I, I think they really did themselves a disservice by delaying the black widow movie the way they have in that if she is actually introduced in that movie, then it would have made her appearance in this show mean something. It would have resonated a bit more instead of just being this, you know, for a, for a, a, a casual fan like myself, I'm just like, I still don't know who she is. Uh, how do I know she's actually a threat just because she has a blank business card and a fancy black suit for John Walker? Who is she? And if she does truly get introduced in the Black Widow movie, I think having that happen first really would have let you know that she's up to no good here and she's really working on something a little bit more nefarious and and with some some actual consequences. And so her whole role in this really did fall flat for me as a cash. Overall, though, I think that this is like, again, one of the highlights of this of the episode where it's planting some seeds for the MCU and the bigger picture. Right. It's nice, though, that there's there's seeds that they're planting. Very cool. I, I must say, I, I know that this is a based on a comic book and this is all part of a comic book world and we're, we're supposed to have fun with it and embrace that. But I think it probably works a lot better on the page of a comic when somebody says, we don't need uh, Captain America. We need a U.S. agent. And it, 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 it comes off a bit cheesy in the context of a TV show for me to like blatantly put out that that's his name going forward. You know, um, if she, even just something like, why don't we call you this or I don't know. It just that part. I get what they were doing, but it was almost a bit too much for me. Maybe I'm nitpicking. Nah, you know what? I mean, I think that's that's in a, in a show where we have so many amazing introductions. You're right; that one could have maybe been handled a little better. Um, but listen, let's get back to it here. We then see Bucky making amends with Yori, telling him the Winter Soldier killed his son, and that the Winter Soldier was him. 
The next morning, he drops off the little book of names with all the names scratched off in Dr. Uh, Rayner's office with a letter thanking her. Then we see him walking by the restaurant where him and Yori used to go, only to see Yori smiling and enjoying a drink. Um, so, guys, was this the moment of resolution? You know, was this moment uh, enough for you with Yori? Uh, and what did you think? You know, what, what do you think Bucky will do now that he's cleared his name? Uh, or sorry, cleared all the names off of his list. Uh, well, I, I really liked it. Like, again, that was like this series was a lot of character development for Bucky. He kind of played the backseat role in terms of the super uh, heroism. But uh, the character growth is really great. He's learning to accept the, his demons inside. Like they are, he can't deny what happened to him. And that is all about going, moving forward, basically, is, is making amends with that. And so it, it looks like he's finally able to start moving forward, like I said. And hopefully we'll start to see him become more of a superhero that would, you know, be on par with a Captain America. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very happy to see, to see them fit this in this episode. I think it would have... I would have liked to see more of a conversation, though, between him and Yori. It felt very rushed, and I understand these episodes only have a certain runtime. And obviously, we've already, you know, mentioned to death how many, how much the the a, the B plot and the C plot were affected um, by by issues. But you know, it could have been two minutes longer because, like, imagine imagine if we got to see Yori forgive him. Like, I would have cried my freaking face off if I got to see that moment. Um, and you know, it 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 didn't happen. So. Yeah, I, I think that you have two kind of situations in this episode where there's there's resolution for some characters and for for Ori and, and and the story that Bucky has with him wasn't didn't feel as resolved as what we would see after with 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 Sam. But yeah, this to build this up and to come back to this and not to really have like a real closure. Like I don't feel like there's closure on the situation because he just told him and then he walked out of the room. Yeah, yeah, he he, you know, I, I I'm totally on on par with with both of you guys here in that that is something I would have preferred two minutes uh, with versus all the time we spent on the boat and stuff like that that I'll get into in sort of my series recap. But mm-hmm. I really do wish that instead of him just saying it and then closing the door and then them basically telling us that it went well but by you know handing in the book and then walking past that bar a little more dialogue between those two you know that sort of paralleled that first interaction that we got to see between them that that first episode i i would have i would have liked to have seen a bit more of the closure i i'm okay with the uh, the allusion to the closure just because uh it's we're nearing the end of the series and that was so close to the end. It it would be it was already a somber enough moment to begin with. To make it any longer, really would really have really dragged the series down to a very like again somber uh, close, basically. So I understand why they didn't dwell on it as much as they did. Uh, and again, the illusion is enough for me because I can imagine that would be in a very emotional conversation. And uh, who knows how much we didn't see? Yeah, I mean, Darcy, I. Again, I definitely would have cried. But listen, I definitely did cry in this next section. Uh, So let's get to it, guys. We then see Sam back at Isaiah Bradley's place. Eli asks him what he wants by saying, what you want, Black Falcon? And Isaiah responds by saying, he ain't a falcon no more, but he's still black. And I I just, I love that moment. Uh, Sam and Isaiah continue to the garden to have a conversation where we learn that the GRC has halted their plans. Isaiah tells Sam he's special. 
He remarks, not as special as Malcolm or Martin or Mandela, but special. Um, Sam proceeds to bring Eli and Isaiah to the Captain America wing of the Smithsonian, uh, where he shares with them that he had a section dedicated to Isaiah and his fight to save the brave men of the 332. He walks over to Sam and Sam says, now, Sam, I'm going to cry again. He says, now they'll never forget what you did for this country. He begins to shake Sam's hand. And Sam repeats, never. Isaiah brings him in for a huge hug and holds him so tightly as he begins to cry. And I also begin to cry. Uh, so, guys, every moment with Isaiah on screen in this series has been very impactful, very powerful, and definitely brought up um, you know, a lot of talking moments for us on the podcast. What did you think of this, this sort of final incredible send-off for uh, this character, at least in this series? Uh, and did you cry like I did, Justin? I definitely cried. I was definitely emotional about it. I might not have right? cried like you, but like I got teary-eyed <laughs> because yeah. I think now having talked with you guys about this, I can see now why the scene previous with Bucky and Ori was kind of diminished, was to really give amplitude to this scene. Bucky's situation was left a little bit more ambiguous, but the the emotional resonance from this scene was cool. was very impactful. Like I I definitely like this was a highlight. I loved Isaiah's character. I want them to do an Isaiah Bradley like mini series where you just you you see his story he's obviously walked you through it but I feel like it, you know this was a nice resolution for for him to say that you know he's he's keeping a promise and like there's a line that he says with Isaiah right he's like he's not going to let anyone tell him that he can't fight for this country and that to him is is what he learned Isaiah Bradley was the reason why Sam Wilson was able to pick up the shield he was doing it not for Steve Rogers he was doing it for himself and Isaiah went out of his way to do what he needed to do in a very difficult time, and he never got any recognition for it. And I think that's a huge part of the reason why we see Sam really embrace the shield and 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 also, you know, create this memoriam memorial for for Isaiah Bradley. Uh, yeah, I I also definitely was wiping in my eyes a bit uh, during <laughs> the scene. Uh, I really liked uh, the fact that Eli has been so heavily involved in. Uh, Isaiah's story because again they're planting these seeds yep. for the young Avengers going yep. forward and seeing his his grandfather who has had such a, a, a like troublesome relationship with the government like he has hated it for so long to finally like seem to be opening it up his ideals in the fact that Sam Wilson is, has started to bring recognition to what he has done uh, I think is a great you know great laying great groundwork for uh, Eli's character to go forward and and lead another generation of heroes uh, as as the Patriot, if he takes up the mantle from the comics. You guys are spot on. This was just such a, a wonderful moment. It, it, it was probably the most rewarding aspect of the whole show 100%. was to yeah. sort of give that storyline some yeah. really, really beautiful closure. Uh, I'm not sure with everything going on and how much Marvel's taking on that a whole series uh, I don't even know how they'd fit it into their busy schedule. But even in this show, and uh, I think maybe if they had branched off and given us uh, an episode much like the episode in Watchmen, where you get that sort of just a, a one-off episode of the backstory mm. of Isaiah's character and his, his, his struggles and his journey, that would have been a really cool sort of uh, a, a little spin off. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't be invested and and watch a, a show telling his story because it's it's so tragic and 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 has so many ties to actual things like the 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 Tuskegee that 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 happened in in our actual existence um but yeah i think this was 
really, really well done. And you've totally sold me, Darce, on the idea that this was the focus. And so that's why this sort of resolution got a bit more attention than the one with Yori. Well, you sold me. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat uh, there for sure. I like I actually paused it to read the uh, the words on the stone pillar, and it completely talks about what the government did and how Isaiah was treated and how his death certificate was faked. Uh, and it just allows his history to be un unburied. So I love that Sam did this, even when Isaiah told him not to, right? Because it was Sam showing that the history needed to be shared and respected. And seeing three generations of Captain America, I know technically he's called Patriot, but three generations of Captain America in the room was so cool. It was an, a very lovely moment. And for me, this was the best moment in the entire series. Yeah, definitely, cool. definitely the payoff I was looking for at the end of a series like this. All right, guys. Well, listen, the episode ends with Sam and Bucky back at the Wilson's place having an awesome cookout uh, where we see Sarah and her sons uh, and the entire community. It was lovely. I was like, I want to be there so bad. Uh, <laughs> the entire community coming together to share in the excitement of Sam as Captain America. Sam and Bucky stare out into the sunset. And as they walk back, the screen cuts to show Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which was awesome. That was really to, cool. Like, so good. I just, I need to ask you guys really quick, though, because I want to see if you were all thinking the same thing I was thinking. Were you expecting to see uh, Will return at the end of that? Yes, I was. Yeah, I thought that's how the right? announcement, because like I had heard online that they're, they've announced that they're doing a Cap 4. And I was yes. like, I, I, I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. So I'm I'm wondering if by giving you that title at the end, that's kind of the the, the prelude to like, yeah, we're doing a Captain America four, right? So, but I don't it, think they have the title yet. You know what I mean? Sorry, like maybe but, they. But maybe like they're Justin's not saying that could be the title. That is oh, that is Captain. Title. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Captain America and the and the Winter Soldier would be a great title to to oh, keep up the. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting. I feel like the instead of the will, I wasn't expecting the will return. I feel like again the Sharon Carter scene that we get really leads to like what's next is she's the next big bad after getting her pardon. She now has the in. So that's that's why I wasn't that's expecting. That's weird. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that, guys. We get an end credit scene where we see Sharon offered a full pardon and a new role back at her old division with the government. As she walks away from the hearing office, she calls someone, someone, who we don't know who, uh, and tells them to start lining up their buyers as she's about to have full access to government secrets, prototype weapons, you name it. She says there should be something for everyone. So any listen, we're going to speculate here. Who did she call? And uh, who do you think is, uh, you know, what do you think is going on with Sharon Carter? What's going on with that lady? Justin? I, I, I went hard last week about like how, how she just doesn't have like the, I just don't think that she has the chops to be the power broker. And yeah. like obviously now talking about, you know, you know, how involved she was in, in Civil War and with Zemo and all that stuff. There's, there's justification to explain that. But I still think that there's someone else behind her. Um, I don't know. I'm still okay. sold on that idea. It's just, I just... I don't know, like, they said it really well, though, in that trial hearing where it's like, Carter is synonymous with service. So, like, just that oh, idea. Oh, wow, I didn't even think of right? that. Yeah, so, like, th th just that idea, like, of what I was saying, like, there, there there, needs to be an explanation as to how she's gone so far down this rabbit That's, hole. Yeah. That she's the power broker. Like, unless she's been so deep and dark in, in cover that she's been working with the power broker for an extended period of time. So, maybe she, is, maybe she was talking to the power broker. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm with you there, Just. I think they did a great job in, I think it was episode three, um, where they really established how 
you know, uh, tactically and and uh, she's proficient in both fighting and in, and in her intelligence. Uh, but I do not buy her as a big threat. And so I would almost prefer to see her working for somebody, whether it is the actual power broker or somebody even higher up in, in a chain of things. And she sort of just gets screwed over in the end and this this actual threat steps in because I don't see her with all the baddies that we've seen now over 12 years she doesn't strike me as being that next big threat to yeah. them uh, and so yeah. I, I'm kind of hoping it's a, a step towards that next bigger threat maybe well listen I talked about not getting things right um, and I you know I did She's point Mephisto? out that... <laughs> no she yeah she's Mephisto. Uh, no <laughs> I did point out that I thought she'd be a major threat for the MCU as a great female villain. So I was happy to see that this moment kind of played out that way. But um, maybe she's working with Val, guys. Maybe she's been working with Val this entire time. And Val has been sort of, again, ba all the way back to Civil War, pulling some strings to get this, uh, this Dark Avengers going or, or Thunderbolts going. So be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But guys, wrapping up our discussion on the plot, I want to know what are your overall thoughts and final score for this final episode, as well as your final thoughts and review score for the series overall. Uh, for the episode, we'll be rating it on a scale of 1 to 5 Falcons, and uh, the series, we're going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 5 Captain Americas. Uh, so Darcy, we'll start with you. Uh, so the episode itself, like I said, felt pretty rushed. Uh, I did like a lot of the payoff and resolution we did get. And again, those little Easter eggs that they're building towards uh, the next phase uh, of the MCU. Uh, so I, yeah, I probably give the, the episode itself, you know, a 3.9, 4-ish out of 5 type thing. Like it, it, I, it could have done a bit more for me with some of the, uh, the action and uh, the rushedness that we talked about. Uh, the series overall, though, I, I again looking at it as a whole, I loved the story they told and the pace they told it at. It's just that the breaking it up in those weeks kind of felt a uh, bit. It made that tension and stuff kind of uh, dissipate a bit between each episode. So, uh, I four and a half out of five uh, uh, Captain Americas for the uh, the whole series as a whole. Because again, I really liked how they told their overall message that they're trying to drive home about. Sam's growth into Captain America. Very cool. Kevin. Uh, could somebody do me a quick favor, just because I don't have either of my devices? Could you look up the runtime? I personally think this episode, uh, in terms of my overall feelings, almost represents my overall feelings for the entire show, in that I think there was so much that I enjoyed about it, and yet the things that bothered me detract from that a little bit. Uh, in terms of the episode itself, I, I mean, when you can watch a TV show and get about 25 minutes of straight, pure, Marvel-esque, cinematic quality action, how can you really be upset by that, right? It was, right. It was done well. It was engaging. Um, but much like the overall show, the threat didn't resonate with me. And so while they were fighting something, I didn't really know or care about what they were fighting against so much. And so that does take away a little bit from it. Uh, and then, again, as it wrapped up, there were things where I really think they nailed that that character resolution. And there were also things that I thought were almost a bit of a waste of time and, and took away from the, the important aspects. And whether it was because of writing or not, I, I'm still not going to give them a free pass on it. They didn't have to release the show. They could have taken time to fix those things. I, we can all agree that the main point of this show was to 
both resolve past issues and and propel these characters into the next stage for our two main characters. And they did that really well with Bucky and Sam. Um, I've actually come to like Bucky, which I didn't before this show. Um, So that's an an achievement all in its own. The Winter Soldier is (laughs) now one of my favorite characters in the MCU that we have. And I always loved Sam going into this. And so to see a character that was very, very minor, and uh, uh, I always liked him, but he was always sort of more of a minor character. And so now that he's assumed the mantle of arguably one of the most important characters of all the Avengers, uh, I'm totally on board. I love him in the role. Uh, and I, I love that Sam is the perfect sort of, uh, you know, follow-up to what Steve Rogers was for The Shield. Uh, yeah. That said, I think they wasted way too much time on the other story with Sam. I don't think any of that family story was necessary. His story mm. in sort of representing the the black culture as 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 the 21st century Captain America going forward was was enough of a story. And his struggle with picking up that shield and being that representation was more than enough of a character arc that the other stuff felt unnecessary and kind of bogged down and slowed down the progression of the story. Uh, I loved what they did with Zemo. That was great. Um, Magipore was cool, but it felt like more of an Easter egg than a necessary plot point. It was cool to see it, but it didn't add anything to the story, I don't think. Uh, overall, I just think this almost might have made a better two-and-a-half-hour-long movie without any of the filler mm-hmm. versus a five-hour TV show that was that was a bit slower at times and made you wait those weeks where you sort of lost a bit of momentum. I think they could have almost established the same themes and ended up at the same point without all that filler. You know, something like WandaVision and the upcoming Loki feel like they 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 suit a TV show format, whereas this felt like more of a typical Captain America movie. So that that would be my big complaint. For the episode, I'm going to give it a 3.8 out of 5 Falcons. The show, I might be crazy here. You might hate me. I'm giving it 3.6 out of 5 caps overall. Wow. Okay. All right. Justin. I think I would give this episode a 3.5 uh, Falcons out of five uh only because like to to much of what we've already discussed it was very underwhelming in in certain aspects but there were some really great payoffs from from the rest of of what's been established throughout throughout the season um to kevin's point it it would this could have been a better as a movie but i feel like as a series as a whole um they didn't do such a bad job with actually layering in themes you know uh, there was the racial theme there's also the family ties and legacy uh themes about power what power looks like um there was just a lot that was there and to reach this in this final episode with with some of the payoffs that they added while also planting some seeds for the mcu i think they they did a good job so i probably give the the series like as a whole probably a 3.7 out of five caps um i i think that they they did a really good job and i, and I think the messaging what they were doing with 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 uh, sam wilson holding the shield and, and really actually looking at it like almost in through a mirror of of where they are currently in society what that would look like i think that's really smart you know they 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 took something that was very today and ingrained it in into this narrative that really that that's a conversation uh about you know perception of of power and and superheroes and and icons and and the symbols and you know there's just there's just so much that they did really well with in the series so yeah um yeah 
I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I'm more in line with Darcy, I think. This this episode had some of my favorite moments in the series, uh, but was overall the weakest episode of the show. Uh, as I said at the top, seeing Sam Wilson as Captain America is something that people have been waiting for for quite some time. And Sam lives up to every aspect of that character and beyond. I loved seeing his confidence throughout this episode. He is Captain America, and I'm so stoked to see what he does next. Uh, This episode, however, was marred by rewrites and reshoots and a supposed canceled subplot causing the Flag Smashers and John Walker stories, you know, being the B and C plots, uh, you know, to be resolved in very rushed and clunky ways, as we've, we've mentioned throughout the episode. I think the writers made a valiant effort to save those plot lines, but in the end, they were unsuccessful at providing us with the quality and detail that we're used to with most Marvel projects. And that's why it feels so jarring, because when you have, you know, that's why the worst Marvel movies feel like awful movies and, and they're still pretty good. Um, the title sequence, you know, change at the end, though, that really popped for me. And so that, that brought between that and the moment with Isaiah, those brought up the score for me um, from what I was originally going to do it, give it, which was actually lesser than this. Um, but I'm giving this episode three and a half Falcons out of five. Um, The series, however, was fantastic. Um, The way Marvel, again, was able to take these two characters that I had very little interest in, uh, you know, in the main MCU movies and elevate them to the point where I can't wait to see, you know, what what's next. uh, I think that really speaks to what these writers can do when they're given the time and space to flesh out these stories. Um, I was surprised at how much they they took something that we all expected to feel like it would just be another Marvel action piece uh, and turn its main plot, at least its main plot, into a message that needs to be heard so much right now. Uh, I love that this show, um, I, and, and uh, sorry, I love this show, and, and while it, it wasn't perfect, it certainly succeeded in getting its most important themes across while setting up some actually really surprising narrative threads for the future. Stuff that I don't think any of us could have called uh, for this show. In fact, we tried to, and uh, we're not getting our X-Men anytime soon. So um, I am giving this uh, series, uh, I'm giving Captain America and the Winter Soldier 4.5 Captain Americas out of 5. All right, now, before we, before we wrap up this Watch Club, guys, for the final time, we usually use this time to discuss what we think is going to happen in the future of the series. And given that the series, uh, you know, there's only a rumored second season, we're not sure if it's, if it's a real thing or not. Uh, I want to know your thoughts. When do you think we're going to see, and you can choose from any of the characters that were introduced in the show um, or, or brought into the show, when do you think we're going to see them again? Darcy, I need to know what the Captain America is going to happen. <laughs> Uh, well, we've talked about it before. We're definitely building towards that Thunderbolts with Val and everyone. Uh, again, with no no titles related to those guys announced yet, it's kind of questionable when we'll see them again. Um, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Clearly, there's that Wakanda tie with Bucky that we saw. He's still closely associated with the Dora Milaje, so I wouldn't be surprised if he, he appears in the upcoming Black Panther film. Um, I don't know. The, oh, the, this series yeah. as a whole, looking at it... Uh, Comparing it to the earlier Phase 1 movies, it feels a lot like one of those in that it's setting up so many narratives yeah. that it's like we're really on to the next phase of Marvel. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's hard to say when we'll see them, but you they're doing a lot of work to really drive home the fact that we, 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 uh, we will see them again. So... Yeah, again, I have, I have no idea where they're going next because again, it's what with what's announced, these characters don't really seem to have any place in it. So mm, interesting, Kevin. Listen, if if Darcy 
can't figure out where they're going to slot in <laughs> next. I have no clue. Uh, but to the show's credit, I am looking forward to the next time we get to see these characters. Uh, and so that, I think, if anything, the show did, it really did establish these two characters as very important uh, players in the overall Avengers game. And so kudos to them for that in that regard. Yeah, very cool. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that there's really much that we can, they've, they've done a lot, obviously very boldly, you know, Sharon's going to be the power broker. Apparently, you know, Val's going to have some sort of involvement with, with Zemo and, and, and John Walker. Like we don't, we don't really know there's just so much is going to happen, but you know, to, to, as Kevin's saying, you know, this, what this story has done so well is put Sam and Bucky in the spotlight of being the new heroes and not the B characters. And Sam was was always that B character. Now this whole series just justified why he is Captain America. And, you know, Bucky having so much more resolve to now move into the next chapter of his development. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where they go. So I am excited. I am excited to see how these two characters will make an appearance. And you know, they're clearly doing a cap four. So what does that look like? And it's gonna be by the same people that wrote this this series. Uh, so it's it's should be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly so excited to see what that is going to be about. I was surprised that we didn't get any set. Like, it felt like zero setup for Black Widow, Shang-Chi, or Loki, given that they're all next in line. But I mean, yeah, we're getting a Thunderbolt series or movie or whatever that is. I really hope that uh, the next Captain America movie, though, is about Sam, you know, either getting the gang back together or really, like, handing, like passing the torch to the young Avengers or maybe even he's the he's he's the new Nick Fury right and that maybe he's gathering them for to, to create that team loses um, an eye yeah I get you no, no, no. I, no I hope he does <laughs> I don't want him to lose an eye <laughs> oh my gosh um, but guys uh, that is it for this watch club series Wow uh, Darcy thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode before I get to my normal sign off I do want to take a moment to make a very exciting announcement for your next appearance on the show. We are so thrilled to be announcing uh, that you will be joining us for every episode of the upcoming Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. With the show starting on May 4th, uh, we're not quite sure how that's going to look yet just because the first episode's like 70 minutes long. The second episode, I think, is a normal 20-minute runtime. So we'll have to wait and see how that all turns out. Um, but yeah, Darcy, do you have anything to say about your new role uh, as the the third head of the Bad Batch Watch Club. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Again, Kevin, like I said, Kevin raised me on Star Wars starting young, so I've been a lifelong fan, and I can't wait to explore the new universe that they're going to tell with the show with you guys. Yeah, cool, very cool, sweet. Uh, all right. Well, again, it was a pleasure having you on to share your knowledge on all things MCU, and the Force will be with us. Uh, again on May 10th when we drop our first watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. That is it. We hope you enjoyed this week's finale episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, make sure just just go do that. Okay, uh, give us a review as well. Like what the heck? Go in. It's easy. You open up the podcast app. Five stars. That's the only one it'll actually let you do. I tried doing it before earlier. It didn't work. So five stars is the only score you can give. Uh, so make sure to do that. Borrow your parents' phone and do it on theirs as well. Um, also, if you don't know, we actually have more than just Watch Club. We also have our 
regular episodes of the Geekcentric podcast with our latest episode out now where we're joined by Mike Hogan of the Up Next podcast where we give our predictions for the 23rd annual Academy Awards. Now, by the time you're listening to this, the ceremony's already over and all the awards have already been given out. Um, so you can always, you know, come back and see if we were right or if we were wrong or how wrong uh, Kevin was. Um, also, if you... <laughs> Uh, if you are listening to this uh, at, at this time, um, our reaction for the Academy Awards will also be out very soon. So stay tuned for that one. Make sure you subscribe. Justin, Kevin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this show's final watch club. And as we say, on, on your, your left. left.